Well, what is going on, all you good people out there? Welcome to Unrestricted. I'm your host, Ben Lieber. Uh, I hope everybody had a wonderful week. And once again, I have a fantastic guest that I know that you guys are going to love, love, love. This week, I have the very talented Twin Cities media icon, Elizabeth Reese. Elizabeth has been co-hosting Twin Cities Live here in the Twin Cities for the better part of 12 years on an every single day basis. She actually co-hosts that with a former guest on this podcast, Steve Patterson. So I've known both of them for a really long time. And like a lot of other media people, Elizabeth, she's busy doing a bunch of other things as well. She's also the co-host of Best to the Nest, which is a podcast you can find on all your podcast platforms. And she also has her own personal lifestyle and cooking blog because she's a avid, avid um, chef, I should say. And uh, you can find all of that stuff on hometohomestead.com as well. Uh, Elizabeth is just a fantastic human being. And I think that you're going to find, um, you know, her approach to life very refreshing. You know, she's uh, basically if you watch her on Twin Cities Live, that's that's her. That's who she is. She's very open and honest about who she is as a person. And, uh, and that's what you're going to find on this podcast as well. I think this podcast is really especially important for all the women out there and even the young women. Uh, she has just such great insights on, I think, just how to how to, you know, come into your own and how to, you know, gain self-confidence, how to look at your life and take it for what it is at the different stages in your life. Um, you know, I, we asked her and I talked to her about, you know, just her, her creative process and what she does to juggle her three kids, her husband, the family life amongst all of her jobs and the things that kind of pull her away. You know, how does she stay so fresh and creative and, and so spunky for every show? Uh, she, so she really goes into that and has some just very simple life advice for anybody in the creative field or anybody that's just looking to stay creative and curious uh, all the while managing our normal lives. Um, so there's a lot of great stuff that we get into, uh, how she handles the public criticism, why it's sort of unfair for a lot of women in this industry. Um, so I really think this is going to be a very impactful uh, podcast for a lot of the women out there, not that men can't take something from it as well. And we find out very quickly, not that we didn't have a lot of things in common, but my goodness, are Elizabeth and I just gigantic dorks together in one specific area of our lives. So I hope everybody enjoys this podcast. I certainly did. So here she is, Elizabeth Reese on Unrestricted. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi, Ben Lieber. How are you? Man, I'm good. I'm good. It's so good to see you. It's been um, it's been a long time since we've seen each other in person. And I understand I that we're probably going to be seeing each other in person uh, when it comes to your work very soon. You're going to come on Twin Cities Live. You're going to co-host again, which is always so fun because you're just a really enjoyable person to be around. I always just feel like happy to see you. And I'm always interested in what you're up to. And I love your family, your sweet family and seeing like what those kiddos are doing. And, you know, I've got a similar family setup where I have an oldest daughter mm -hmm. and two little boys. So like when I see what Abby posts on Instagram about the kids, I sort of, you're a few years ahead of me and kids. So I, I kind of look and like, oh, this is going to be our life. Like these two little wild animals. Yep. And then, you know, the wise one and in the front end. <laughs> it's we have we couldn't have gotten more lucky 
And I say that to, to like new parents all the time. Like, you know how, you know how guys are, they got the bravado, like I want a son first. And, you know, I want to, I want my boy. And I tell them after our experience, I'm like, no, you don't like yeah. the boy will be fine. You know, the firstborns are always usually pretty chill, Yeah, but you really want the girl to be first. <laughs> I do. know. I totally agree. I love having a first girl. And I remember you telling me like having a third baby is so great because I, you know, and I was always like, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to do the third. And then our third was the best surprise of our lives. Like we were definitely not in, we'd really settled. I'd given away the, the clothes, like a ton of stuff. And then I had to start tracking stuff back down. <laughs> when I was like, oh, I'm pregnant. I need my bassinet back. Can I borrow it? <laughs> but didn't you realize that there was whole, a whole bunch of best. stuff you didn't need? Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. There was stuff I didn't need. And then there ended up being more stuff that we did because when we had the two kids, we brought them both home to a tiny little bungalow. Like we lived in this little one and a half story in Minneapolis for eight years with two kids. We had 1100 square feet. I mean, it was like hmm. small and we were just waiting and waiting to find the right house that we wanted next. And so we had so few things for them in the old house that when I had Heathcliff here, I was like, Oh, I need like a you know, an exercise, I need a place to put this kid on different levels. <laughs> so it, um, it was kind of a different experience, but he's just been the best and he just balances out the family. And I always thought down the line, like long-term thinking, I wanted our family to be five people. And that's mm. what I grew up with. And I loved it. But then I was just feeling like we were overwhelmed, you know, with two little ones and trying to figure things out and okay, how can we, can we make this work? Can we not? And you know, it was divine intervention. Here we go. Yeah. And I think there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of parents that kind of think the same thing. Like when they're younger, like, well, I want this sort of size family and I want this to, to go this way. But then, you know, you and your husband both work and yeah. you're both busy. And then yeah. you realize like, wow, you know, one's, one's fun. You can handle it. It's all so new and it's a challenge. And then you have two and you're like, then there's a point where if two kind of is close to out of diapers or out of diapers, you're like, ah, uh, I don't know. <laughs> kind of good. Like, I know. We're, I know. We're, we're pretty busy and there's a lot of things going on and there's a boy and there's a girl and I think that we're set. Um, so it's just funny how it all works out because the third is like our third is our feral cat. Like he's. He, That's he, our second. But I don't know. Heathcliff's only one. So he's like, it's hard yeah, to tell. Wait. You know, he you hasn't revealed wait. his true self yet. You wait. <laughs> yes. Our, we, we are. We have the stereotypical clinical three kids. Yeah. The first, like we'd mentioned, being the girl, very responsible. Mm -hmm. um, she's great. She is, um, she does basically everything on her own. I mean, she's in eighth grade now. So it's like, she does everything on her own. She's, she's great. Yeah. Never a problem. And cross my fingers, we have not run into any of the girl stuff that everybody talks about, right? Yeah. So we're very lucky. Our second child is a middle child. Like he, he is a middle child. Everything that you can think about as far as the goods and bads of a middle child, that's him. <laughs> He's our completely emotional one, has been emotional since day one, um, but it's both good and bad. Yeah. Like he is the, he has the kindest heart. He thinks about others, but my, oh my, is he a victim with everything? The world is out to get him. <laughs> Our, you know, our middle is a lot like that, where he is, I say he's like the, he's a lot like my husband in like the most 
loving lover Careful. and Careful. the fiercest <laughs> fighter. <laughs> I know. Isn't that crazy? But like such a lover boy, like he just is like a cuddle bug and he's just loves you. And mama, you're the best mama in the whole world. Mama, I love you so much. But then also on the other hand, he's the fiercest fighter. Like he is mm. the most ferocious and will just you got to watch out. It's that, I think it's that range of emotions, which is a lot like my husband, Jay is very much like that. Like just super loving, but also like you back him into a corner and it's like not a good thing. And I think, um, Jay was the second child. They didn't have a third, but so he sort of kind of took on that that. middle. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say the same thing about our second too. Like he is, I don't, I think that there was a line between being fierce and having a temper. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, I, the, he, he can, he can just, he wants the world to burn sometimes when, <laughs> when he doesn't get his way. And it's like, I'm not so sure that's like fierce and like competitive and like in a good way. It's kind of like, buddy, you need to calm your ass down because <laughs> <laughs> you don't, you don't. And, and he's, he's, gosh, he's three belts away from being a black belt in Taekwondo. Wow. So like, so like he knows how to use his, his fists and his feet. So like when he gets mad, like he'll, he'll like sidekick me in the butt or something like that. Or he'll like, you know, punch his brother. And I'm like, dude, you know how to hurt people. Yeah. Like you really do. You got to check yourself, man. It's that's intense. I wonder if my middle would like that. Like, I feel like he might like that kind of discipline. He's very coordinated. So it'll be interesting to see like what he's into, but he's at four. If, if you say something to Franklin, like, Hey, um, let's go do this. And he's not like, not in the mode. It's just, nope. (laughs) Nope. That's what he says. I'm like, Oh my gosh. It's just (laughs) a, a battle. It's, there's a lot, there's a lot there, but it's fascinating to see their personalities and to see what they're turning into. I think that's like the best part about being a parent is just like observing them and figuring out like, what are you going to be? And that's the really fun thing about having a one-year-old and then having a six-year-old is that, you know, at six and a half, like I know who she is right now. And obviously she'll develop and evolve, but like, it's fun now with the one-year-old to just look at him and be like, who are you going to be? Like, who are you going to be? It's going to be great. So where were you on your, in your family? What number kid? I'm the oldest. And I don't think any of that is surprising. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's embarrassingly accurate. So yeah, I am the oldest and probably too bossy as some people like to remind me. (laughs) Yeah, I could, I could see that with our daughter. She's becoming a little bossy, a little bit of a mother hen at times. And I've had to tell her, I've had to tell her, look, you're not the mom. Like you let me, and you don't have to be the mom. That's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's good that you tell her that because that becomes, that can become a weight, you know, and she doesn't need to feel that way. That's what I feel like. Sometimes Jay will be like, you got to watch your brothers, which we do, you know, she does do that. But I get always like a little ping of like, Hey, she doesn't have to be responsible for them. Like that's not her. That's probably my oldest child, like mm-hmm. inner child speaking out. You can do therapy speak. Ben. <laughs> <laughs> you want to just lay down on your like sofa and we can just talk. Yeah, It sounds great. I have a lot to say and a lot to work through and your rate is reasonable because this is totally free for me. Yeah, this is free. This is free. <laughs> Well, speaking of a lot, you're, you continue to just kind of do a lot. You know, I, I knew that you had, um, I knew that I, well, I knew that you did radio, yeah. but, and then, uh, and then obviously you, you have your, your own podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then you have a blog. You have I know own- that was resurrected from the dead. It was dead for like eight years and now it's back. Okay. Well, well that's why I was like, well, I saw your latest post. And I'm like, well, it's, it's going strong. And I, <laughs> I went down the timeline. Well, you've been dead this for a long time. Long time. So you, you basically co-host a radio show, you know, radio hits, co-host yep. a, a podcast you co-host Twin Cities Live and you have your own personal blog in which you love to post like all the, like the fun things you guys do at home and then recipes and your cooking and all that stuff. So, um, and then you've got three kids. My goodness. I know it's insane. This is why I do have to actually talk to a therapist, all not joking aside. Really, I do have to. Um, it feels like a lot. I think, I feel like the nice thing about my work is that my work is a lot of it is just for me to be me. And so I just get to like express the things that I'm interested in and the things that I enjoy and that I'm excited about. And then I get to just share those things. So there's an ease to that, which makes it not feel that much like work because I get to just be myself and then express the, those things and, and put it out there. Um, So that part of it is good, but there is certainly management that has to be done. And with the three kids, it gets hard. I always say like at home, you know, everything is like running fine until it isn't until there's like a one wrinkle, you know, I was telling you before we started recording that we had a, a very distant COVID exposure for my son at his classroom. And so in order for him to go back to school, he, you know, he had to be out for two days and then has to get tested and then go back. And so it's like, then it's the constant negotiation. And you just heard me and Jay going, okay, well, tomorrow, if we don't get the test back or if it comes back, you know, whatever, tomorrow, here's what we're going to do tomorrow. And there's just a lot of that kind of navigating where Mm -hmm. sometimes I think I could do without some of that negotiating in my own home because we just, that's just where we're at. Yeah. But you, you live in a creative space. So with yes. all of, so with all that going on, when do you find time to be creative? When do you feel like you can like, oh, I now I can think about my show or what am I going to write on my blog this week or this day? And then you've got all these other things going on. And let's let's be honest, like we're all human beings. Like sometimes you just you're not in a mood to do that. You know, you don't yeah. feel creative. And then sometimes it feels like, oh, crap, I got to do this. I got to I got to put out this post or I got to do this like. When do you find your best time to sort of like decompress and feel the most creative? Well, I'm big, a couple of things, like little moments I find where I just listen to like the little voice within me. And so I call it like the still small voice. And a lot of it starts with like, oh, I wonder about this or this sounds interesting. Um, I keep notebooks everywhere. Like I have a notebook with me now. I have a notebook um, on the edge of our island and our kitchen all the time. And so if I just like get a thought about something, I just jot it down so that I, I have it. Um, and then I am really into, we got an infrared sauna during the pandemic. So we got one in our house last, um, gosh, probably in like February, I think yeah. maybe March. So we've had it for a while and it has been like the greatest thing that's happened to me. I was just joking. Like I, if I ever leave TV, I'm going to go into sauna sales. (laughs) I'm going to just like sell saunas because I'm such a believer in it because, you know, this has been something my husband wanted for a long time and he loves being in the sauna. He thinks Mm -hmm. it's like so great. It's like detoxifying. It's like good for him to think and all this stuff. And so 
Um, so we got one in the basement and I've been going in it. I go in it probably four or five times a week and I just like pipe in music or like a meditation I've been doing and I sit in there and it's like a little bit sensory deprivation because it's all wooden and you're just sitting in there quietly. I'm not like, I don't have my phone in there or anything. Huh. And I'm finding that it's like really helping me just have space to think. And, um, and that time and like a little, it's like solitude and some time to think is really important. But you can't, you can take your notebook in there, I guess, because it's a dry yeah. sauna, right? Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's an dry. Infrared. So I can take a note. Yeah, I yeah, take a notebook like a in there. It's like a steam room, so you can just like take your stuff in there. Yeah. And then so, sometimes I'll, once you start getting super sweaty, which happens like yeah. 20 minutes in, then you got to like ease up because I'm super sweaty. But, um, or I just like leave it outside and then jot some things down outside. Okay. I didn't realize that the infrared saunas were, you could, I don't know. I, when I would, when I saw them, because, uh, because Abby, my wife was talking about getting one and she showed me a, a mm -hmm. link or something on Instagram, or whatever. It's one you like crawl into. Like so you, you can get some that you crawl into. Yeah. That have like a blanket and those they can, you can get like a sauna blanket. You can get the company that we got ours through has one that's called the solo. That's like, you, you kind of like set it up and it's got like half moons basically that you slide into. So you can do that too. But we got like, Jay wanted one that we could like go in and right. sit in. And so ours is a three person, oh, even nice. though I think if you put three people in there, it would be like very uncomfortable. <laughs> like what kind of tiny people fit in here <laughs> with three, you'd be like all sitting in a row, just like sweating together. That like feels like too much to me, but, but Jay and I can go in there together, but we, we don't really like, we've gone in it a few times together. We like to like, like I got in last night and then I got out and I said, Hey, you want me to keep this on? And he was like, yep, I'm going to get it in 10 minutes. And he does the same thing. And it's just like really become this like wonderful ritual. And I think having that time to just be by yourself and to think and to decompress and not have something coming at you all the time is really helpful. And I just feel like calmer when I have been in the sauna. It's, it's a really crazy thing. I, every time I get out of it, I'm like, Jay, this is the best thing we ever bought. Like it was the, it's the best thing we've ever bought for our house. Man, that I, I need to pull the trigger on something like that because we talked about that during the, during the pandemic as well. And, and, um, I, I definitely have read up on all the benefits and, you know, whether they're like Huge. scientifically proven or not, everybody loves them. And they say they come out with like a clear mm -hmm. mind and you just feel better. And even if it's just like a placebo yeah. effect of like, man, my, my mental space is so much better. I'm like, well, then that's, that's worth it. Um, yeah. I need to look into doing that for real. Yeah. Um, there's a company up in Duluth that has like these kind of Mac daddy old Finnish um, saunas. Yeah. And yes. I'm just trying to figure out like where I can, where I can put one of those. Cause that it, they're like super badass. That would be great for your cabin because yeah. I know people who have like the finish, like the outdoor finish ones in the cabin. And then in your house, it's kind of nice to have the indoor one that you can just like go into because it's a little bit less of a, an event if you don't have to like strip down and go outside. <laughs> you know? Yeah, for like sure. You just, yeah. go, you just go in there in the basement, which is nice. But I think the finished ones are awesome too. I was going to say the brand that we got is Sunlighten. 
if that really helps cool. anybody. And I've also heard really good things about Clearlight. I don't, I mean, I'm not compensated by either of these companies. We fully paid for our sunlight and sauna, but again, when everything goes south, I might call the sunlight and people and ask if I can sell them. Cause I think I just sold you one. <laughs> yeah. You might've just sold me one. Seriously. <laughs> no. Do you listen to music in there? Or is it just in your, your own thoughts? I do both. So it has a Bluetooth, you know, so I can connect my phone mm. and play anything. So sometimes I'll listen to podcasts. Sometimes I pipe in alpha waves, yeah, which is like music that's, you know, on that alpha mm -hmm. wave spectrum that's supposed to be like calming and help you think and all of that. And then um, this week I started piping in meditations from the Peloton app. So they have like meditation yeah. classes on Peloton. And you don't have to really look at anybody. I mean, I could put my phone outside and see it. It has a big clear door, but I just set it out and pipe it in. Last night I did a 30 minute meditation in there um, and just piped it through. And I thought, well, this is a really good use of time because then um, you kind of do them getting, both. Yeah. I'm getting in the meditation and it was really, it was really nice. Yeah. They, uh, the alpha waves that you're talking about. So I heard this podcast about these you know, just the, the binaural beats and stuff like that, mm -hmm. that, that you can listen to as you're, you know, writing something or you want to be creative or you just want to focus, you know? So I, I remember I was out on the road this last fall and I'm like, man, I got to sit down in my hotel room and I just got to like finish my prep. And I just need, I need like an hour, hour and a half of just like really intense focus. And so I, I downloaded this thing off of Spotify and it's like these binaural beats. Um, Elizabeth. Yeah. It made me kooky crazy. <laughs> I don't know what, I don't know what was going on. I put the earbuds in and it's like these, like, like these noises. And I'm like, I, I felt like I was going to pass out. Like I was lightheaded and I'm like, oh my God, what is, what is happening around here? I had to take one of them out to like recalibrate my brain or something. And then I, then I put it back in and then I turned the volume down and then it was much better. So I don't know if I had it too loud, but for, and I thought the whole thing was wackadoodle. I'm like, this is craziness. Like, right. what are these like little sound waves going to do? So I went in I totally know. skeptical. And then I walked away with like, it did something to my brain. <laughs> I don't know if it was good or bad, but it definitely did something <laughs> to my brain. It's always woo woo until you like do it. And then you're like, hey, I'm here for the woo. I mean, this is great. Yeah. Unless it goes south like that experience, you need to maybe find a different version. It's amazing though, how it can super relax you. Like I go to acupuncture once a month and, um, and they pipe in, you know, they've got that kind of like music or whatever. And I get like all the needles. I'm always just like, give me all the needles. However many needles you think you should do, just Psycho. add some more, <laughs> just do so many more. I want all the needles. And then I lay there and I get like the best acupuncture nap where oh, yeah. I just, you know, when you're like hovering between sleep and not, which happens mm -hmm. like in a really great massage that happens for me in acupuncture that, um, it's just so restorative and that, you know, that kind of stuff, I will say one thing as I've gotten older, I've just really gotten into like, what is my system for just consistently paying attention to my mental and physical health and investing in that the time in the front end so mm -hmm. that I don't push myself so far that I crack. And then I end up having to go through like a real acute illness or, um, you know, some sort of like breakdown, you know, something like that, where I have to really then figure out how to go. I go through that like extreme 
sickness or whatever, and then have to pick up the pieces and recover, Mm -hmm. investing the time in the front end on acupuncture every month on, um, you know, the sauna use on really being consistent about like what I put into my body and paying attention to like what feels good and all of that has made a huge difference. I, I just think it's like, it's imperative. And as I've gotten older, I've gotten more into it. I remember the first time I realized that was when I was 21 and I was working in Duluth at my very first TV station. And I started anchoring the morning show and I was anchoring and producing this show. I had no idea what I was doing. And I had to wake up at three, you know, two 30 in the morning or whatever to get in and do this. And it was like the first time that I really realized like what I put into my body. I mean, you know, this because you're an athlete, like I wasn't an athlete. I was like a nerd. So, I mean, I didn't think about this stuff until I, until then when I was like, boy, if I don't like eat great or I like, I feel like crap and I can't Mm -hmm. function and I can't like do this job. And, um, and so that was like the big, a big turning point for me. And that was when I started getting really interested in, I like, I love the woo. I love the woo woo. I I don't know. I'm, I drink, I'm drinking like electrolyte drinks. I'm just like, I'm on, give me all the things, whatever you you have. (laughs) You and I, you and I are in lockstep because whatever you're drinking out of, or what, I mean, I have something similar. Um, and I'm doing, what is it? Well, you know, this is just, uh, this is an electrolyte water that I make on my own. It's just, it's just that Redmond salt. Do you use like Redmond salt? Yeah. I love that Redmond salt. Yeah. Yeah, I use that real salt. So it's just Redmond salt and water. And I just make sure that so I, this is, I've got the element drink. I like the, the pre-mixed packets okay. that this guy, Rob Wolf created this element company. And so they're like pre-mixed and they come with a little bit of flavor. Yeah. So this is like the citrus salt one, but it's the same thing. It's just making it yourself. And then you've got the electrolytes and it has like magnesium and potassium and mm-hmm. sodium. And then you're like, boom, good to go. Oh wow, God. Ben, we're, we are we're, kindred spirits. I feel very good about this relationship. We're both such so, so dorks. I, I mean, my <laughs> a- Abby's like something will arrive in the mail, and she's like, "Oh Jesus!" Like it's Jay. Oh my. Jay what, said what to me the other day. Order? I know he was like, "How much money are you spending on snake oil all the time?" And I was like, "Don't worry about it." I was like, "How much money do you spend when you go out hunting?" Like I don't care. This is my hobby. Figure out your own <laughs> deal. <laughs> I never thought of it like that. Okay, so yes, I, I always my hobby. Of, I get I kind of beat myself up because people are like, well, "What else do you do?" You know, outside of like your work, and I'm like. You know, outside of my kids, like I really am kind of an introverted, just like really laid back. I'm a homebody. Like yeah. I, I don't, I don't rush out to see the next greatest concert or thing. I don't have to be at it. I certainly don't have FOMO. Like I'm not a FOMO person, <laughs> but so I, and I, and I was like, I need a hobby. Like, I don't, I like to golf, but I'm not going to spend my whole summer golfing. Like mm-hmm. I like to fish, but I'm not going to spend my whole summer, you know, winter fishing. Like, it's just not something I'm going to pull myself away from for five, six hours at a time. I just, I, I don't, I feel guilty. Like, it's like, I, yeah. I don't know. I feel guilty. Um, so I guess if I have a hobby, it's snake oil. It's, it's snake oil. It's snake oil. Like I'll, <laughs> I'll find something, I'll read on it. I'll like really dive into it. Like I bought a stupid book on minerals. Like I did. I like, want to borrow that. I, I'm really into minerals right now. This is like what I obsess over. Okay. Well, we're all mineral deficient, Ben. We got, yeah, I know, tr- I know that, but here's the crazy thing. 
um, when this guy, he's a very popular guy. I don't remember his name on Instagram and I follow him and he always posts like these stuff about like, oh, this is what, you know, magnesium does and potassium and selenium and copper and whatever, whatever. So I, oh, it's cool. It's interesting. So I bought his book. Elizabeth, this damn book is like a thousand pages. It's a freaking textbook. Like it's, it's kind of hard to read because it's like very scientific, very oh, scientific. Yeah. And like, he's, you know, citing all the literature and the, and, and all the studies and whatever. And, and, and it's a little redundant because they're like, there's only so many minerals, you know? And so, <laughs> but I'm like, how does this guy have a thousand pages worth of just the same stuff? And so I've kind of stopped halfway through. I'm like, uh, I feel like you've covered this already, but you feel like you're set. Yeah. You can have it because I'm basically done with it. Well, how about this? I'll just mark the page that you finished at and then I'll start <laughs> at that point and I'll read the rest and then we'll reconvene and we'll, you know, we'll have some salt water and then we'll chat oh about God. it. I know oh I'm all, I am all, it's interesting though. Like, isn't that a fascinating thing though, that when you, you know, when you think about like your performance and that's what I think about, you know, my job and like performing as a, as a mother and as a person, like, I just realized though, that all of these pieces come together mm -hmm. and I sort of look at it as like self-care. And I think I look at it as just maximizing my enjoyment of the things I have to do, because if I'm dragging, mm -hmm. I'm just not enjoying anything that I'm doing. I don't enjoy being a mother. I don't enjoy being, I don't enjoy work. I don't, I, I honestly, like if I am dragging and tired and don't feel great, I do not enjoy anything that I'm doing. So I look at it really as like this investment in joy because I just can't feel fulfilled. I don't know. I like, I think there is there's certain, like, because of the way the American like diet is set up and like all these things that we have in our country, I think people are just used to feeling sick and tired. And mm -hmm. they think that that's like, a normal way to live. Yeah. And I, I don't want to feel that way. Yeah. And I think that that's the best way to approach it. And, and fortunately, both you and I have jobs where you have to be very mentally acute, if that's the right word, like you have to be on, yeah, you sure. know, when you turn your switch mm -hmm. on, you know, whether I was a player, you know, physically and emotionally to, to like re be ready to perform, you a couple times a day have to turn your switch on. Mm -hmm. And that's that's aside from being a mom. That's aside from being a wife and being like attentive to your kids, attentive to your husband yeah. and all the other things that kind of go with it as far as like, oh, I forgot to do this, sign up for this activity or whatever it is. Like there's that part of life. But then there's also that part where you got to drive into work and you get, you're on live TV every day, you know? And, and so that makes you, that forces you to be like aware of, how's my mental system today? How's all my checks and balances? Yeah. And the days that you're firing on all cylinders, you're like, well, why is that? Like, what yeah. did I eat for lunch? Did I eat something crappy? Is that why I got kind of brain foggy today? That's why, you know, so like, I think it sort of forces you. And I wish everybody sort of had that situation where it forces you to think about your internal system. Like, mm -hmm. how, how are you today? Like, why was it good today? Why was it bad today? And kind of like yeah. self-analyze that. And I think we'd be... I don't think you, uh, people like you and I would be that shocked, but I think a lot of people would be shocked like, oh my gosh, I guess if I don't eat this, I don't feel crappy <laughs> like, right. or if I don't drink. Or at this. least like, yeah. And at least knowing it, like making the choice knowingly. I mean, there's certainly times when I'm going to be like, Hey, you know, 
we're going to, we're going to go do this dinner or we're going to go to this wine tasting and we're going to go, you know, and I'm just going to do it. And, but like weighing your, weighing your options and knowing, okay, I'm going to go into this eyes wide open and be like, Hey, well, yes. I don't know. It, I think that's like, it's just, it's empowering. And it's so much, especially as I've gotten older, you know, it's just way less about what I feel like I need to look like or fit into or anything of the sort. I mean, I certainly am not, it's interesting how like, I'm not in any way at my thinnest that I've ever been in my life. And yet I feel the healthiest. Like, I feel like right. I'm the most balanced, um, physically because I'm just like doing those regular things. And I can tell if I like fall off the wagon of, I don't know, just kind of drinking enough water, staying hydrated, eating consistently. I've been following this woman on, um, Instagram called the, her name is the glucose goddess on Instagram. Okay. And she's like, so interesting because she does all of these, she shares all these hacks and all this research on like how to keep your blood sugar levels stable. And if you ever feel like hangry, then you know mm -hmm. that you've had low blood sugar, right? Are you like, you've been, you know, you've let it get a little bit out of control, but she, she's so fascinating. Cause she, um, she says the number one thing you can do to like feel stable blood sugar throughout the day is eat a savory breakfast. Don't eat anything sweet for breakfast. Mm -hmm. And I've always been more of a savory person for breakfast, but I, um, I notice that even more now, like if I'm somewhere and I have something sweet or I do like peanut butter toast or something, I'm like, I, I just feel like hungry. I don't feel great. It's like not good for the, the day, even though it's like a substantial food Yeah. where if I do like smoked salmon on a bagel with like, you know, some cream cheese and cucumbers and whatever, or like eggs or something, I feel like a million bucks for the whole rest of the day. It's super yeah. fascinating. It's like, sometimes when you really like get down to it, you can like read all this research and the studies and then you start to go, Oh, that reflects how I like, I already was intuitively feeling about mm -hmm. myself. And it's all it is, is just like a confirmation of what your body already knew. Yeah. And I think it's really fascinating because it's, you can, we can read all these studies and do all these studies and stuff too. But the reason why I think this space is so confusing is because we're all so individual. Yes. And, you know, I could eat your, your bagel with salmon or eggs and cream cheese. And maybe the salmon doesn't sit well with me. Yeah. You know, yeah. and maybe it's just like, I just need the eggs and maybe it's this. So it's that, that sort of game to me is actually kind of interesting where I think mm -hmm. it turns other people off and it gets too complicated. It becomes sort of a game to me like, Oh, okay. I'm going to figure this out. Mm -hmm. Like I want to know what it is. Um, and it, you, you know, you bring you bring up an interesting point because um, you know, I've asked, I've asked, you know, other, other women that are in your, your spot that are in the spotlight. It's, it is unfair. You guys have it way harder than guys as far as For like, sure. you know, we, I don't remember, I don't know if you remember the guy. Um, it was kind of a viral video. It must be like four or five years ago. He was an Australian news anchor. Yes. Same yeah. suit for so Same many days. Same suit for so many days. Yeah. Nobody noticed because all he did was just, he, what he changed his tie. I think he changed his shirt and his tie and that was it. But it was the same dark suit. was a Navy suit every mm -hmm. single day. And I mean, for like months. Yeah. And meanwhile, the co-host, a woman, is ha feels like they have to change their outfit every single day or else people are going to call them out on it. I know. So it's how have you, how have you handled it? Because you've been in the business forever. Yeah. <laughs> so like how, how, well, you know, but like you, you came out of college and you, you know, you. Almost 20 years. Of yeah. TV. You went right, you went right into TV. Mm -hmm. And so 
you've been in it and been in the spotlight and been in front of the camera for 20 years. Like how, how have you handled that sort of pressure? And like, cause it seems like right now you're like in a great space with it. Finally, after like 20 years, you know? Yeah, it is. Well, I just turned 40. I mean, I turned 40 this summer and I think 40 was like a big game changer for me, which is funny. I mean, I really felt, I felt like, like literally I turned 40 and like in the days following, I just gave fewer Fs about anything. (laughs) Are you someone who deals with chronic soreness? Maybe it's sore and achy joints from an old injury or you're an active person who pushes their bodies or maybe it's age-related arthritis. Whatever the cause, I have the solution for you. It's called IASO, I-A-S-O, and it's a revolutionary therapy device that uses 100-year-old scientifically proven cold laser technology. This South Korean wonder device is the only cold laser device that can be used at home and hands-free. Most of the time, you have to go to some sort of hospital or clinic to get this type of treatment because of the size of the machine. But Iaso has engineered this potent light therapy into a device that fits into the palm of your hand. I use my devices all the time on my arthritic knee and my bulging disc in my neck with relieving results. And guess what? It's all done pain-free. Go to wellscare.net or bestbuy.com. That's wellscare.net or bestbuy.com to purchase and start enjoying your life pain-free with Iaso. We are supported by my buddy Pat Kelly and his insurance business, Wexford Harbor Insurance. They've been my insurance provider for years, and I can't recommend them enough. I used to be with one of those uh, big box companies, and I just thought all insurance was relatively the same, but it's not. Every family has different needs, whether it's the number of kids or cars, boats, personal items, homes, umbrella protection, whatever it is, Wexford Harbor can tailor the coverage to you. They will find the best fit and value to save you money, but give you the best protection available. They can do that because they're an independent family-owned company that has access to over 40 different carriers. You're not locked into one company's group of coverage silos. Pat and his partner, Scott Michael Bust, will optimize and craft a personalized insurance package for you and your family. With over 50 years of experience between the two of them, they will give you the attention, service, and value you deserve. And their reach is far and wide, people. They service Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin, Colorado, and for you snowbirds, Arizona and Florida. Check them out at wexford-harbor.com slash unrestricted. That's wexford-harbor, H-A-R-B-O-U-R.com slash unrestricted. And you can email them at info at wexford-harbor.com. It was like 40 fewer Fs. And it's a funny thing how that sort of, how that happened. And um, I just... You know, I posted on on my Instagram story recently an interesting interaction that I had with a someone who um, DM'd me, and she she'd written me this DM that was like something to the effect of like I think you're a doll, like I think you're such a doll, but you know, mm-hmm. it's like classic Minnesotan, like let's mm-hmm. give you a compliment and then tell you what we really think about you. Um, but she said, but you're you're you come across as a bossy know it all a lot. Like, I think that you need to tone that down is what she said to me. And it was so interesting as I read it because I started thinking about like, okay, and I don't read all of my DMs. Sometimes I do, you know, but people ask me questions. I like to interact with people. And if people are like, hey, what, um, you mentioned 
this thing that you liked? Can you tell me, you know, what sauna did you like? You know, what sauna company are you going to go work for? And then I like write them a note back. So I like to have that interaction, but, but of course that comes at a cost because then you're opening yourself up to people being able to get in. But when I posted, um, I, I took a screenshot of her comment and my reply. And then on the top, I wrote on this, on the Instagram story, I wrote in my twenties, a message like this would have filled me with shame in my thirties. I would have written back arguing and trying to justify myself to this person. I like my forties response best. And what I'd written to her in response at 40 was I'm just going to continue to be me period. And that was it. Yeah. And, um, and that was like a real kind of like a turning point for me as I looked back. And I think, you know, those reactions served me. Like, I don't like to look back and go, oh, I should have done it differently in my twenties. I should have felt differently in my thirties because I, I, number one, I don't think that there's any point in that mm -hmm. because, and then number two, I do think that those reactions serve you, you know, like in the in my twenties, like that feeling of shame, you know, I don't, while I don't love that feeling, I also think that that was a motivator for me to feel like I had to earn my place and I had to pay my dues. And that's what I did. So from the time, you know, I didn't come out of school at 21 thinking I should like have a job in Minneapolis in a top 15 television market. I was like, I got to hustle and I got to work and I got to mm -hmm. keep my head down and be humble and learn. And so taking that type of criticism to heart would have been something that would have served me as a motivator then. And then in my thirties, you know, that idea of kind of like arguing or justifying, I mean, I look at that as sort of like figuring out who I am and looking at that type of message and going, is that how I am? Is that how I want to be? Do I care what this person thinks? You know, that sort of like working through that, but then there's a real freedom that comes in your forties to going, I am good with me. And if you are not good with me, that is an issue for you, not an issue for me. And, um, and that's certainly the most freeing. And I think that's why I think a lot of people say as they get older, it only gets better because you have that sort of more of a settled nature. And then when I, when I posted that, I just got such an incredible response from people who, who just loved seeing that. And just, I mean, sometimes people are like, who is this person that says that to you? And that's sort of beside the point. It's more, right. more about the, the inner reflection and the introspection on, on how I got to where I had that reaction. Yeah. And I think that's the, that's the right way to think about it because I think we can all look back in our twenties and, you know, you're just a different person, mm -hmm. you know, you just, you don't have some of the perspective that you have as a, now with a mother of three and you've built a career, you know, and you've, yes. you know, you're in a, <clears throat> you're in a loving relationship with your, your, your husband and your family, you know, at 20, you're just trying to figure it out, but you don't know how to figure it out. And like, you know, it's all, all of it's, all of it is, is what's needed to, I think, to get to the point where you're at right now. Yeah, I think so too. You're looking for a lot of external validation to figure out your place in the world. And now I go to my internal validation to, um, to forge my way forward. And that's that to me, that feels really great. And as far as, you know, kind of the, the physical stuff, I mean, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother issue, but it's also, 
I think particularly as women, you know, we face this, we're either not enough or too much, not enough or too much. You're either not enough or too much. And you're always like, what's the magic little spot that I'm just going to be right for everybody. Okay. So if I'm like a size six and I talk just the right amount to be pleasant, but not enough so that people would think I'm overbearing. And I have like just enough opinion to make me interesting, but not enough so that people think that I am a bitch. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's like all of that, all it's constantly navigating that. And I do think while men face certainly their own challenges, I think that like trying to thread the needle for women is more difficult. And, um, because it's just all compiled into that, you know, I always, I've said this in the past that when like, you know, Steve, my co-host on twin cities live or other co-hosts that I've had, if they get emails from people who disagree with them, people will say like, I don't like that opinion. I disagree with you because of this. If I get emails because people don't like what I said, it's, I don't like your opinion and you shouldn't talk so much. You shouldn't have that opinion. You know, that's, that's the difference. And that's where, um, where I like fundamentally and have a problem. And particularly when it's women calling out other women to not have an opinion, you are certainly allowed to disagree with my opinion and think that you can think that you don't, I'm annoying or that you don't like me or that you don't want to watch me, but you don't get to tell me that I don't get to have an opinion because that's, um, that's the boundary. I think, you know, and and drawing the boundaries are, are good and sitting firmly in your boundaries. (laughs) Well, have you, have you found the, the healthy balance of, of understanding what is sometimes it's very easy to understand what is blatant, just hatred, you know, some, someone just hating, like they might say like, Oh, I don't like, I don't think that you have an opinion. And by the way, your dress sucks. Like, okay, well, (laughs) we, you know, like, I get, I'm just going to push that one aside and act like I didn't, because that's just someone who just wants to hate just for hating's uh, sake. But there has to be some sort of balance too, where, you know, criticism is good, you know, yeah. constructive criticism is good. You know, have you sort of found that healthy balance of like getting feedback from, let's just say the public and not maybe so much your bosses. And you're like, you know, that person was like, maybe a little bit mean, but I get what they're trying to say, you yes. know? Like, have you kind of found that, that sweet spot when you, when you read some of those things? Yes. I'm just cautious about who I take it from. You know, Mm -hmm. I think what I do is ask, um, someone I trust for their opinion. Like if I get something from somebody and I'm like, oh, what was that? Like, oh, is that me? You know, I will, I'll ask for like backup from somebody. And I don't ask for my husband because if I ask my husband, like, Hey, this person said this, do you think there's something to that? He's going to be like, that person is an idiot and you should not even listen to them. And that's ridiculous. Yeah. You know, yeah. cause he goes into like, put up the shields and like, I'm protecting the household. Yeah. This is how it's going to go, which is not that helpful, but um, you know, but friends, or I'm fortunate that my boss is one of my closest friends. And so I can have that converse, those types of conversations um, with her. And, and then there's also a difference, like between people who are trying to teach you something like, I, you know, here's an example. I remember years ago getting an email from someone after we talked about diabetes on the show. And I don't even remember, I mean, I don't even remember what we were doing and what we were talking about. We were talking about diabetes and she said, you know, Hey, just wondering if going forward, you would be able to clarify between type one and type two diabetes, because they're very different. 
and to lump everyone together is, um, is sort of doing a disservice. And she kind of went on to explain that. And I was like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. Absolutely. You know, like those types of things where people are approaching you with like, Hey, I uh, like, I like what you do. I respect you. And here's how I think I could help you be better. And that's, I mean, and you can tell right away when you're getting like an interaction from somebody or you're getting some feedback from somebody, if they're coming from a place of like, I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt because you probably just didn't know this. Here's how you can do better. You know, and I think we could use that strategy in, in all sorts of ways. I mean, there's all sorts of things that like people say the wrong thing or they use the wrong Mm -hmm. word or, you know, whatever, like things that are not okay now that were okay, maybe 10 years ago, or maybe we're never okay, but we just thought they were. I think coming at it from that perspective is, is helpful. Yeah. And I I'd like to think that your, you know, the twin cities live format, at least keeps you guys from having to go down a lot of really serious stuff, you know, cause everything yeah. that every, every time I've been on with you and every time I watch is like, you guys are just having fun, you know, like yeah. it's kind of, it's kind of hard to find a lot of criticism and like you guys don't get too, too heavy, which I think helps with some of that stuff. Like you, you're not going to speak out of turn sometimes because when you talk, obviously the heavier the topic, the, the heavier the opinions are that people have and probably yeah, the heavier the true. emails you're going to get. So it, it is kind of nice that your format is pretty, pretty loose. Yeah. That part is really helpful. I mean, I'm not like debating, you know, uh, politics on right. TV, which makes me feel great. Cause I don't want to do that. But you know, that being said, I also think like it's, it's an interesting story it's an interesting challenge to strike the right tone on a daily basis, particularly when things are going on around us. You know, I mean, when, for example, like summer of 2020, I mean, we were in the middle of a pandemic. I was pregnant and I live in Minneapolis and I live in an area of Minneapolis where there was a lot of unrest and our, um, you know, I left my house with my kids for four nights in a row Mm. um, while my husband stayed and, and basically like was, was part of our neighborhood watch. I mean, we had neighborhood meetings every day. We were, it was all of our, our neighboring businesses were vandalized and all of this. And, and, you know, it was a really difficult, conflicting time. And I still went into work every day and like figured it out and brought it and then showed up and had to navigate, like, here's the tone of what's happening in our world. And then here's what we do, which is you know, food, fashion, and fun. And so that was not easy. I mean, it was not, it was not easy. It led to a bit of like a breakdown for me that then, um, I think has then gotten me to a much better place. Cause then hmm. it's been the last year and a half of like really working on that and, um, and focusing on all those things we just talked about a little bit ago to just get myself consistently in like a mental and physical place of health and well being, so that I can handle challenges. Well, I mean, they always say like some of the greatest inventions now we're talking like technology or products, but even for people are out of necessity, you know? So uh, out of that situation, if you didn't have that unrest going on and we didn't have that time period, like, I don't know, maybe you would have gotten, you, maybe you would have gotten to where you're at now, but maybe three or four years down the road. Yeah, I know. I think you're right. I totally think you're right. I mean, it's, it's overcoming adversity is very important and obvious. And then, you know, going through things that force you to look at the way that, you know, look at your own privileges and, and then look at how other people live and, and having a, 
bigger perspective and, and figuring out where you can make a difference. I think all of those things have been hugely important to me, but, but challenging, you know, it's a challenge. Yeah. Well, professionally, you got another big challenge. You know, your, your co-host Steve is leaving and not that you haven't been through a transition before, but I mean, you got to feel pretty good about just how you're going to be able to handle that. You know, it's going to be a challenge, but it's something you haven't done before. That's true. That's a really nice way to say that, Ben Lieber. Most people are like, are you okay? Are you, they look at me with like a lot of pity. No, you're you're, you're going to be, be okay? fine. Yeah, it is. Steve's So Steve's leaving the show after seven years. And um, he is one of my favorite people on the planet. I mean, it's just, he was like such a gift to me. I, I've told this story before, but um, when he came to the show, we, I had just been through like a lot of transitions. So the first host of the show, you know, I've been on Twin Cities Live for almost, or I think, have I been on the show for 12 years? I don't know. I think it's been a dozen years now. Yeah. I was, I was looking at your stuff and I was like doing the math. I think it's 12 years. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Nice preparation, Ben yeah. Lieber. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So John Hansen started the show uh, with his co-host, Rebecca Wood. And then Rebecca moved into morning news about a year later and I came on the show. So um and then John left after five years. And then uh, Chris Eggert is a morning show anchor at Channel 5. And he was there for just about nine months. And he um, so he came in and kind of filled in while we he was the host of the show. And then it became clear that he was doing great. And they were going to want him in, in the newsroom. So he went there. And then we had Steve. And in the midst of all of that, you know, which is kind of funny that that was seven years ago. And then now here we are seven years. And don't they say like, I don't know, it's like a seven year itch, like seven year cycles. Yeah, yeah. It's probably like seven year plague of the locusts or something like that, all <laughs> of that stuff happening. Um, but when, um, when that transition happened with Chris, I, um, I had missed, had a miscarriage with my first pregnancy. And um, so, you know, we, we got married and, and wanted to have a baby and then had this miscarriage happen. And it was very, it was just very difficult. So I was in the midst of all of that change. I remember the day Chris told me that he was going to move to the morning show. And then I told him in that meeting that I was pregnant and that was the baby that I ended up losing. And we cried together, you know, and he was just, it's just, I've just been so lucky to work with just such amazing men who are just fantastic. But, um, but then I, it was just very difficult. So then in the weeks following, I knew, you know, Chris was leaving. I was, um, I, I went through this miscarriage and, um, and I just had a really hard time figuring out like, how am I going to have fun at this job? Like, how am I going to have fun doing this? And because it was just felt like a struggle to even like get a laugh out because I just was like, so unsettled. And, um, and then Steve came and guest co-hosted the very first day. And he took this giant bite of honeycomb. Kelly Hansen, our reporter was doing like a Valentine's day gift segment or something. And she was like, you can buy this honeycomb, <laughs> whatever. He took this giant bite of the honeycomb and then did not even know what to do because it was like so chewy. And then how was he going to swallow it? And like, what was it, it was sticky? And like, yeah, what's he supposed like- to do with this? Oh gosh. And I laughed so hard. And I call it like the day I laughed again, because I was just like, I can, I am laughing so hard at this. It was very, and it was the first time that I had like so much genuine fun that I didn't feel like I was kind of like faking it through. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, and then Steve ended up just being such a gift. Then I, you know, got pregnant again, ended up having our daughter, Bernie. I went on maternity leave and Steve took the show. And when I went on maternity leave, I said, you know, 
this is where you need to make the show yours. Like I want, when I'm gone for these three months, make it yours, make it you, and then I'll come back and it'll be great. And, and it was. And so now as we move into another transition, I just think, um, you know, what's it going to look like? And I hope that like, I have that, that feeling of just knowing like, this is going to be the right next thing. This Mm. is like the thing that will, that will move us forward. And the show has always been about, it's been about celebrating our community and it's about connecting people to our community. And I've never felt like that was more important than I have over the last year and a half. And so I feel really excited. You know, I feel very sad, but I also feel very excited. It's like, any exciting thing. My daughter got her ears pierced last weekend. And she was like, she's like, how am I so excited and so scared when we're on our way? And I was like, all great things in life are that you're so excited, but you're so scared. Like this is it ears pierced. Who knows? (laughs) Yeah. It's like, it truly is like approaching the roller coaster. It is the most frightening thing in the world, but you know, you know, it's like, look at everybody else having fun. It's going to be great. But I got to get through this, like, just I'm scared to death. Yeah. But you know, it's going to be great. Like, yeah, you got you guys at Twin Cities Life has you guys have such a good team. Um, you guys will be fine. You guys have a good team. You'll you'll figure it out. And uh, yeah, the transition might be a little rocky until mm-hmm. you settle on somebody, but you're going to be great. I think so, too. I think it'll be it'll just be a new iteration and a new celebration and a new way to connect with people. And, um, but you know, at the same time, I also think this is that at some point everything will end. Right. I mean, at some point, everything in life will, will wrap up and the sun will set on whatever season. And, um, and I think the more you can kind of be at peace with that being an option, that's okay. You, you can flow into the next next iteration more easily because mm-hmm. I don't feel like this terror of like, if something happens and it doesn't work and the, and the show gets canceled or they ask me not to stay, which at some point will happen all of these things. Um, I work hard regularly and I've done this from the beginning of my career at not identifying what I do with who I am, mm. what I do is certainly an expression of who I am, but it is not the core of who I am. And that's been something that has been like a real guiding light principle for me throughout my career. And I think has, has enabled me to be authentic and to be true to who I am and to be vulnerable without, um, relying on other people's perception of me as being part of my self-worth because it just can't be, it can't be because if I'm always thinking about like, well, if they don't like me or if they don't like this, or if mm-hmm. they like this, I can't, I can't be myself. And I think being myself has been the ticket to my success. Did you learn that on your own? Or did someone sort of clue you in on how to approach your job and your, in your self-worth and your I- identity? Did that, was that advice given to you or did you just kind of figure that out? Well, there were two pieces of that. When I was growing up, I was a minister's kid. My dad was the pastor of a Lutheran church and um, my parents were both pastor's kids. So I, and then three of my four great grandfathers were pastors. I mean, there was just a lot, a lot going on there. And so when my dad was a pastor, um, I remember my parents always just being really clear that like our, the expectation for us was to be who we are and to be you know, to like 
to live out the values that were important in our family, but not to live up to the expectations of any member of this congregation. And I mm-hmm. think that was like a huge thing because that's, there's always like that stereotypical, like really good pastor's kid or really like rebellious yeah. one. Yeah. And I just didn't feel the need to be either because, and what that is, I, I really think that what that is, is it's a reaction to having to live up to other people's expectations. So you're either going to say like, I'm going to work so hard to be perfect. And I'm going to be everything that everyone expects me to be. Or you're like, F it, dude, I'm out. I'm not having anything to do with any of you. And I'm going to not only not live up to your expectations, but I'm going to show you that you don't even get to have an expectation of me. And I don't think either of those roads is a healthy road to take. It's that middle ground. So that was always very helpful. And then I remember at my very first job in Duluth, I worked with an anchor. His name was Pat Kelly. And he had like, I think he had three daughters. He's like the nicest man. And this was, I mean, this was back then when like, not even, not even every computer in the newsroom had internet. It was like only a few of them had internet. And it was so funny. So it was just starting to get like email, you know, like people sending you an email, like sending a public person an email, you know, this was 20 years ago. So I remember getting my first like nasty gram from a a fine Duluth (laughs) resident, you know, who sent me something that was like, you're the worst and blah, blah, blah. And Pat Kelly gave me this advice and he said, um, he said, well, you need to keep that, keep a file with those emails. Because if someone becomes a problem, then we have to take it to legal, you know, it was like a whole thing. And then he said, but he said, you can't take, you can't take an email like that personally, but even more importantly, you can't take the good emails personally. You don't take the bad emails personally. You don't take the good emails personally because you, you do you. And that was a really huge moment for me. I haven't talked to him in so long, but I always wonder if he remembers having this conversation with me or if he like said this to all young people who came into this, the station, but that was a real pivotal moment for me too. And then I had an agent too, at the, um, at the time who said, um, you are Elizabeth Reese incorporated. Like you are Elizabeth Reese incorporated. You work for yourself. You do your best job for you, not for anybody else, because the station is happy to have you right now, but you never know when they won't be. And, um, and those were really three big, three big moments that were just that, that really helped shape that for me. Yeah. And, and that's the reason I ask is because I think that is, that's such good advice for everyone. It, it doesn't yes. matter if you're in the public eye or not. If your job is, in, is important to you, um, then have this humility of knowing that it's, it, it's a job for sure. And you should perform at the highest level, but that's not necessarily who you are mm-hmm. when the job is over. Right. And, and we try to have those conversations with with the, the, the young football players that come in, we always try to tell them like, this is not your identity. And it, and it seems like it is right now. It really does. But when you're done playing, which everybody's going to have to retire at some point, this is not a career. It's a job. Like you could work in banking and make it your career. Like that's who you are for 50 years. And it might be hard when it's all over, but like in the NFL, it's like, it's a couple years for most for most guys. So we try to tell them just like, be humble about what this is. This is not who you are. Do not attach your identity to being a football player because then when it's over, you're going to have a really, really hard time detaching yourself from that person. And, and I love the advice that, that Pat gave you that don't give the, uh, don't take all the good stuff either and pat yourself on the back all the time. Like you, you get these like disillusioned ideas who, of who you are, 
also through praise. Like there, yes. there are people that just want to praise you and it's very nice of them. But if you hear all this praise, all of a sudden you're going to be like self-motivated by just hearing the good stuff. Mm-hmm. So then when a bad email comes in, it just crushes you. And you're like, wait exactly. a minute, I thought everybody <laughs> loved me. And I thought it was this. And it's like, it is so important, I think, just to have that nice, even like, I know who I am and like, thanks for the, thanks for the high five, appreciate it. But that's not going to define who I am today. Yeah. Yeah, you're totally right. And even with the good, you're totally right. The good, I find joy. I I am happy. I mean, when people send me a nice note, it's very much appreciated, but I'm Mm -hmm. happy that they experienced something that made them feel connected or that made them feel validated or seen or heard much more than I'm happy that they thought that I did a good job. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's about like that experience for people. I'm just, I don't know. We hear a lot from people who say like, I had like a, you know, I was having a health crisis. I hear from people who were like going through chemo and then every day they would go through chemo and they would watch the show and they will write about what, that it made them feel normal and it made them feel happy and it made them feel like at ease. And that is, um, I mean, that's such a privilege. It's like, nobody gets that in TV. It's just a yeah. real privilege. And that's why I think like, even on days when I'm like, you know, cause it is a job. Some days you're just like, oh man, or some, someone sends you For something sure. nasty and you're like, that's it. I'm out of here. <laughs> you know? well, you pushed me you. too far. <laughs> and screw everybody. See ya. But I'm always brought back to that, to that feeling of just like, of feeling happy that I get to, that I get to do it and feeling grateful. And then, you know, always just like tweaking little things, just like we're tweaking with like our electrolyte drinks, like tweaking, like, what does my schedule look like? What do I have? Do I have enough time built in to like, make sure that I'm shooting stories that are important to me that I want to share with people Mm -hmm. that I'm not just like bogged down with 80 million meetings and all that kind of stuff. So it's just the, the, the looking at it and kind of getting that bird's eye view. And then just one step forward. Yeah. I mean, that is the, that is the best approach. And then, like you said, there are, there are goods and bads and there's ebbs and flows. And some days we do way better than others. Some, some days we all just want to burn it down and say, <laughs> I'm, I'm done. I know we want to do what your middle child does and exactly. just be like, that's it. That is it. I know that it, that's very true, but it's, um, and I think from a mental health standpoint, I think that that needs to be talked about as well. It's that's fine. That's okay. Like, Yes. You got a you got a day where you're like, you say screw it. Like, there's nothing wrong with you. I like know. that is that is like part of the. I know that the the mental health thing is like a such a big talker right now, and it certainly is in sports and people's lives and whatever. And um, and it's nice that we're talking about it, but I also don't want to get in this world where like everything has to be gray and we have to flatline all the time. Like, oh my gosh, I just had an emotion. Is that right? <laughs> I'm like, I'm mad today. Is that, am I healthy? Like, hell yeah, you're healthy. Yeah. It's good to be excited. And like, you know, it's fine to be super excited and feel elated. And then the next day feel like you're down the dumps. Now I get that there's days where like you, some people clinically Mm -hmm. maybe cannot get out of bed. I think that's a whole separate thing, but like, we got to find this nice, happy medium where like human beings are allowed to have emotions. And like, it is, Mm -hmm. I do not want to be in a world where like, Hey, I need to wake up and feel the same that I woke up with and I'm going to go to bed. And I just, I just stayed straight the whole day. I don't want that. I know that's that, that'd be boring. I think that's so smart. I love that you say that because I think, um, 
we need to allow ourselves also to be like, to have a mental sickness, just like a physical sickness that doesn't necessarily mean that it's like the death of you or that you have to go, you know, or that that's like who you are now. I mean, I, th- I just think like, just because like, Ben, if you look back at your life and you're like, well, I had a cold once now I'm a person with colds, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, I, I feel like sometimes even looking at, you know, and again, I'm not a mental health professional, but I have, I do see a mental health <laughs> professional if that like helps you guys <laughs> justify what I'm saying. But like, you know, I, I had some like postpartum anxiety with one child that I didn't even realize until, until I had other children. And I was like, oh, so maybe those thoughts I had yeah. then weren't super normal. Okay. You know, but just because I'm like, oh, I, I went through a bout of anxiety doesn't mean that I have to define myself as like, well, now I'm an anxious person. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, I, I think you can look at it just like, like once I had the chicken pox doesn't mean, oh, I am poxed for life. You know, it's like, yeah. it can be this thing that's like, it's just like any other sort of like illness or challenge or like it's like a health challenge and so looking at it as like how can I support my body to just move through this my body and my mind to move through this with maybe a little bit more ease is how I like to look at you know at everything with like physical health and and mental health and again like if you're in an emergency acute situation that's different right I mean that's like I'm having thoughts of doing something really terrible. I mean, the, oh, yeah, you know, those are, that's acute emergency. Like I need emergency care, which is what's so important about having hospitals. <laughs> like yeah. that's, that kind of stuff is huge. And having those resources and knowing what to do and knowing how to call 911 if the house is on fire, how to call an ambulance if you're having a heart attack, how to call a suicide prevention line if you're having a suicide, you know, all of those things. But at the same time, expecting ourselves to like never get a cold or never feel anxiety or never feel depressed or never have the chicken pox, like all those things are, I don't know. It's like, we're sterilizing life, you know? I we mean, are. Yeah. And I, I just don't want to live like that. You know, you can only know, you can only really fully experience the joy if you know what the pain is like too. I, I, I'm a hundred percent with you. And I, and I think that there is, there is, there's definitely devil. There's a devil in the details when it comes to not everybody's the same. If you have an acute issue, yes, address those. And everybody should be given like the awareness and the resources to like know where to reach out when you're in those situations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My, my worry comes from listening to my kids talk about the other kids at school or what they're talking about in school, and what they're teaching in school and I think that they're kind of blurring these lines of like, what is just normal anxiety and what is this normal feelings versus what is something that is like clinical that you need to go talk to somebody. And I think it can be very confusing. And I, you know, there's, there's a gal in my, my daughter's class that gets so anxious to take a test that she's now, you know, she like fakes sick. So she doesn't have to come in and take these tests. I go, that's not a problem. Like being being anxious to take a test is a normal feeling. Right. That, right. Like, I'm sorry, but life is going to give you a little adversity. <laughs> taking, a, taking a math test is just a small amount of adversity. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, if you can't overcome that, boy, real life is going to be really difficult. It's hard. I know it's where that lesson came in, even with like the ear piercing, where it was, it was that simultaneous fear and excitement and learning how to embrace that and teaching our kids that they're strong enough. You know, I I just think like 
that they are strong enough and that they can move through it and that adversity won't break them and that their big emotions won't break them and that they're okay. I mean, you know, I, I think a lot of it too is due to like, you're fine era of always being like, you're fine. You're fine. You should be fine. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, just experience the emotion and, and then move through and like honor that emotion and move through and, right. and, and you can do it. I just, I, I think we all, it, it's an American value and it's a shortcoming in my opinion is to always be looking for ways to get around the pain, numb the pain, not have to experience the pain. Hey, we've got these stages of grief. Let's go through the stages of grief. And then we're done with grief. See you later. The grief is over. Right. Yeah. That is not how it works. And, um, and we're doing ourselves and our kids a disservice when we're not giving them the tools and the confidence that like, you're strong enough to do this. You can do this. You can move through this and you can yeah. get to the other side versus feeling like we always have to take a pill, take a drink, eat something, buy something, make more money, do all those things to try to like, just not experience right. the feelings and the emotions. Yeah. And those are, and a lot of times those are just masking agents. They're That's just, it. Numbing. Yep. You're just numbing, numbing the fact that you can't, you can't face this thing head on. And I promise you that even if you just faced it head on for five minutes and you just chewed on it for five minutes, it's not going to be as bad as you think it's going to be. I know. And it's it, funny, you know, let's go back to the sauna, Ben. I'm going to sell you one more time before we go. <laughs> yeah. is, I'm going to get you to buy this yeah, sauna. Yeah. I'm going to get it. You're going to get out your credit card. And, um, But there's always this point when I'm in the sauna, and this has been such an interesting thing. I was thinking about this last night when you go from feeling really hot like you get in and it feels like good, especially when it's like a cold day, you know, and you're like, oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to feel so cozy. And I'm like, I get in and I'm like all cozy and it feels so great. And I like, you know, I put like essential oils on my hands. So it like smells good. It's oh, a yeah, whole thing. Yeah. It's a whole ritual. And I get in there and then um, you get to a point before you start sweating, when you start to feel like, I gotta get out of here. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. gotta get that out of here. What are you doing? Get out of here. What are you doing? And that's the stress. I mean, and that's what like, that's what pro sauna people will tell you and pro like cold exposure people will tell you that like, when you teach your body how to handle that stress and respond to it and move through it, why that's such a beautiful lesson for your body physically and mentally and emotionally and spiritually and all of that. But I thought about it last night where I got to that point and I was like, I'm not sweating yet, but I feel like and then it's like within 30 seconds or a minute, the sweat starts to come and your body kicks in and starts to sweat, which is just like your body's amazing way of moving through it. But you have to sit in that discomfort for like 30 seconds to a minute before you can get to the sweat and then get to it. And then you get the amazing clarity after. And I, love that so much. That's why like, I love sitting in there so much and why I think it's just been like such an amazing gift to me because it's truly like a training mechanism for going through that. So so anyway, um, I, maybe I can get you 10% off on the sauna. I don't know. I'll try. And then you can, um, you can experience this. You're like, I don't sell the sauna, but if you do it, here's a promo code. (laughs) (laughs) I love referral codes. I love punch cards. I love referral codes. I love all of it. I'm here. Uh, well, I know that you got to get going, but I'll just finish up that thought that, that, um, I most definitely will look into getting an infrared sauna or some sort of sauna at some point. But on the flip side of that, I do cold showers for the same reason. 
you know, and, and that, that thought of like sticking my head under the ice cold water is that same fight or flight. Like, don't do this. Don't do this. It's going to be cold. And you know what it feels like, and it's going to sting and it's going to suck. But then I do it and it's like 30 seconds. It's like, to me, I've kind of figured it's, it's five deep breaths is like when I, when I can finally work through it. Yeah. So like, as I breathe through it, I'm like, it's not that bad. And then like, I've kind of convinced myself it's, it's, it's my one daily, like mental grit thing that I can do. Like I'm yes. like, it's all right. If I did nothing else today, I conquered this like little challenge that makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It just makes me feel good. That's about it. And I, that I couldn't, you don't I have to even get out your credit card for. Yeah, that it's, it's huge. Read. Um, I read Wim Hof's book and he's like the Iceman. You know, yeah, he's yeah. the guy yes. who's oh, like yeah. done all. Yeah. He's so amazing. His book was really Great. And that was an easy one to get through. Unlike your mineral book, that one you yeah, can read in like, I'm, I'm done with. <laughs> yeah. You can have it. <laughs> you got to read Wim Hof's book and, um, and the cold exposure. It, it's good. I think, um, those are good lessons. Ben, I, it's, it's such what a, a joy you are. I know you're the best. This, this is awesome. I can't wait to see you on set. I don't know when the exact date is, but, um, you know, we'll see each other on your, on your show, hanging out. It's going to be a wonderful reunion. Can't wait to hug it out and have some um, have some good talks on TV. But cheers with your uh, salt beverage, my friend. Yeah, electrolyte waters. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. Thanks, Ben. Bye. Well, that's going to do it for everybody here at Unrestricted. I want to thank Elizabeth once again. She is a a woman that is always on the go, whether it's her family or her multiple jobs. So I want to thank her for her time and for insights. Like I said in the intro, and, and you guys listen to the podcast, I hope that you guys took away a lot of stuff, a lot of just healthy, sage advice from somebody that has been through it all and been on the forefront of the public eye and, and how to handle all of that stuff. Uh, I also want to thank my sponsors. I want to thank Yasso. Again, Yasso is running a deal right now on BestBuy.com. So please go there, type in I-A-S-O in the search bar and find your Yasso device at a huge discount from now all the way through Black Friday and into Cyber Monday. And I want to thank Pat Kelly and his staff over at Wexford Harbor Insurance as well. If you are looking for customized and optimized insurance for you, your family, and or your business, uh, please check out wexford-harbor.com slash unrestricted. That's going to do it for us. And I also want to thank you guys as the fans. Uh, I really, really appreciate it. You guys are the absolute best. Thank you for all the feedback. Thank you for checking out everything um, on on my website, for the people that have reached out on my website, benlieber.com, to get a hold of me, or just in the the feedback part of the Apple podcast platform after you give it a five-star rating. Uh, Very nice of you guys to give me the positive feedback that you've been giving me. So, That'll do it for here for us here at Unrestricted and I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye.